Welcome to episode 158 of the Women of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to chat all things Marvel and more. Everybody, welcome to Women of Marvel. I'm Christina Harrington, editor in the X-Men office. Uh, I'm here alone today. Uh, well, not alone. You'll see in a minute. But Judy's not here. Uh, so if I swear, I'm sorry. She's not here to remind me not to. Uh, but with me today is Cena Grace, writer for Iceman. Hi, Cena. Hey, I promise not to swear either. <laughs> I always say don't make uh, promises you can't keep. Uh, so I'm right here. Uh, but yeah, so I wanted to, to welcome you to our podcast Uh in case you weren't aware, dear reader, we recently uh, revealed, well, not recently, a couple years now, uh, that Bobby Drake is gay. Iceman's gay. And we have a, a book that's part uh, relationship drama and him figuring out his sexuality and part high X-Men action. Uh, and, you know, what what's that like? How did you dive into and start developing this book? Uh, well, it, it's a lot of fun, for starters. Um <laughs> It, I would. I, I hope to always write <laughs> books with like a little bit of humor because even when you're doing the drama and the action, like you then get to give yourself like a little bad dad joke now and again to to get through the scripting. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I had been working with uh, a previous Marvel editor, Daniel Ketchum, sort of trying to find a project that I could sink my teeth into at the X-Men offices because I'd only really been able to get like a 10-page story here or a 20-page, you know, annual there. And when it came time for the Resurrection relaunch, uh, he called me and said, hey, we are thinking about Iceman because, uh, as you mentioned, Christina, like, he, you know, he came out, he's gay, and then we got sucked into these larger storylines and we didn't really give him a minute to, like, have that. You know, because mm-hmm. I think the focus had been more on time displaced Bobby, who, you know, when he discovers, you know, when he kind of confronts his sexuality, he just jumps in and is like, cool, I'm gay. All right, moving on. You know, <laughs> as, uh, as, it, as it should be uh, nowadays. But, uh, but our Bobby is from a different generation and from a different sort of background. Um, and He's there a little was a bit older. He's a little bit to older, tell. too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so he asked me what I would do with it and, and what I, you know, kind of what my thoughts are about that. Um, and I, you know, I, I do what I do when I need to kind of think on things. I went for a really long walk. Um, and, and I just basically stuck with my gut, which was like, I, I was like, who is this guy? Like, who is Bobby Drake? Like, no one really knows because he's hiding in plain sight. Um, and that angle really worked for Marvel. They really liked this idea of leaning into the continuity, leaning into the subtext that had been there that all these fans had kind of been commenting on for years and and just embracing that rather than trying to kind of, you know, uh, pigeonhole a story that, that wasn't organic. Um, and, and so that fit. That fit really well. And then kind of the next challenge for creating an Iceman series was like, well, who does he punch that you wouldn't just call the <laughs> X-Men to punch? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's that's a real challenge because he's you know he's a mega level too. So uh, it's it, you know it, it it has been a like that's been the biggest uh, problem for me, or that's been the biggest challenge as a as a writer on this book is like kind of internally debating all of these uh, scenarios 
and going, okay, well, why wouldn't he just call the X-Men? Mm-hmm. Or why wouldn't, you know, the X-Men just take care of it? Or why wouldn't some other Marvel superhero take care of it? Why is Bobby uh, the one to, to fight so-and-so in this issue? Or why is so-and-so going after Bobby specifically? Um, so I've had a lot of fun kind of over the past year, like, building that out. And, um, and yeah, I don't know. We can get more into that if that's interesting to you. But, that's yeah, that's the nuts and bolts of, or the long and short of how... <laughs> how I got involved with this book. That's great. I think uh, you hit on one of the things that makes the book so so great in my eyes is that it, it focuses on such a personal story uh, about him struggling not only with relationships, but also coming out over and over again to his friends and also to his family. Like the relationship between him and his and his parents is fraught for a lot of different reasons. There's the mutant complication uh, and him coming out to to his parents was was a really powerful moment in, in the book for me. Like where is the where's the inspiration coming from for these things? Like are it's it somehow feels very contemporary while still having that that universal like X Men edge to it. Uh yeah, where's your inspiration coming from for, for these uh, the I guess the deep dive into these relationships and the the complications there? Um, you know, I like I constantly go back and, and read through X Men series, like you know, eras in the X Men history that like saying to me Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of that is, you know, like really cool fight scenes and really cool splash pages, but also like we're like when characters just have complicated relationships with each other, you know, not, oh, yeah. it's not always romantic and stuff. And that's why, um, I was super, super curious to sort of dive into this relationship with like Bobby Drake and Kitty Pride, um, because Good, it's yeah. so much more than just what you see in pop culture between like male and female relationships um and you know even though like it's still kind of centered around the guy um i feel like at least kitty gets a perspective and you get to see sort of like how she how she thinks about these people around her and how she thinks about the school um in a leadership position too you know i try to sneak that in when i can um but yeah i go back to old x-men books that that really worked for me Initially, I watched a lot of Grey's Anatomy. Oh, yes. Um, okay, that's good. Yeah. That's very good. Did, yeah, I I, did Daniel tell you to do that? Uh, one of Daniel's best uh, best notes that he would ever give was, uh, think about this in terms of a, of a Grey's Anatomy episode, you know, where the, the drama between the characters is heightened by the action happening. Uh, and I could definitely see that in Iceman. So was that, was that a note from Daniel? Yeah, that was definitely <laughs> a piece of Daniel advice. Um, and it's, it's, it's really, good advice. It's, it's a great, yeah, for any writers <laughs> listening in or aspiring writers listening, like, it's a very good, uh, as a basis of storytelling, like a copy and paste tool, like, you know, what, you know, whatever the case is that comes in, uh, for these characters speaks directly to sort of their inner conflict, you know, with the, you know, their relationships at hand. And so I was watching a lot of that to kind of, like, see how they did that and, and work with that. And then, um, and then I basically did the complete opposite of what Gray's does with, uh, the scene with Bobby coming out to his parents. Cause I kind of, I wanted to point out, like, I was like, everything gets thrown out the window when it comes to fighting with your family, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. like feelings, decorum, courtesy, you know, and metaphor. Cause I think for the first couple of issues with Iceman, we were really just sort of playing into the mutant metaphor and, you know, as a dialogue uh, for Bobby's kind of journey coming out, because, I don't know, at the end of the day, it's still an X-Men book, and it's still a book about, uh, you know, people kind of 
taking on adversity mm-hmm. <laughs> via fight scenes. Um, so I, you know, I, I didn't want to get bogged down too much in like, I didn't want to make it feel like an after school special. Mm-hmm. Um, but then with that, that fifth issue, I was just like, you know what? Like, I'm just like, I have been hired to tell a specific story here and contribute uh, my perspective to these things. And I'm just going to basically give everything, like every awful conversation I've had to have with my family every painful conversation, you know, my friends have had with their families. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I just put it in there. And then on top of that, I, I, it's, I, you know, juxtaposed it with juggernaut because it's just brutal, you know, and he's a yeah. brutal guy. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted it to be very, like everything about it to be super visceral and, and for there to be no metaphor for everything to just be super literal pain because, yeah. you know, that's, I think that's kind of, it still happens. And, and that's the funny thing about some Twitter comments is, uh, you know, in the same in the same hour where someone will say, like, I'm afraid to come out, you know, I still can't come out. But this book has been very helpful in telling me I'm not alone uh, in the same hour that I'll get that tweet. I'll get someone sending me like a really dumb meme being like, who cares? It's 2017. And I'll be like, that's the point is, you know, like in, in the coastal cities, it's super chill and relaxed and. Uh, people are, are kind of woke about these things. And then uh, in in different communities and in different parts of the country, that's not the case. Um, so it's a challenge to kind of make a book that, that works for, for everyone and, and, and for people who just want to read an action comic. But uh, I think with these next couple issues, I really do sort of marry all the needs, <laughs> especially with issue seven. Uh, did you get to read that one yet? The I have the, 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 the champions. Oh yes. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm luckily, luckily enough, dear reader. Uh, I'm the, the readout editor on Iceman. So, uh, Darren Shan or, or Chris Robinson, who are the editorial team on, on Iceman now, they'll, they'll pass me a copy the week the book goes to print and I give it a read and I give my, my notes in the corner, uh, in like the proof, like I'm a reader. So I'll say, Oh, I don't really know who this person is or, or things like that. And usually I'm just like, yes. And I underline it many, many times. <laughs> um, but yeah, in the most recent arc, um, it's a, uh, it's a first, it's the legacy arc. Uh, Iceman is teaming up with his old champions uh, teammates, and they're in L.A., correct? They're in L.A., those in Los Angeles? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. the original because the original champions were here, too. And it's so funny. They had their own building back in the 70s, and I was like, what? That's incredible. <laughs> um, but, we should get that back. <laughs> um, I'm just like, logically, huh? But, yeah, so we, <laughs> so we see them all mourning the death of Black Widow, um, and then just mourning kind of change you know like this book is so much about change and getting accustomed to it and 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 bobby's really upset about kind of coming back to los angeles and you know their old headquarters is now uh, a gym and uh <laughs> you know everything's just kind of changing and 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 he gets he's just so uncomfortable with it uh and then on top of that yeah they see sentinel well they see they see a lady working on a sentinel head and it's right after they're, you know, like drinking uh, their pain about Natasha's death away. And so without really listening to this lady and why she has a sentinel head in her backyard, uh, they trash it. And yeah. uh, you find out at the end of the issue, you don't get the full the full details, but you find out that she's kind, she's sort of this ex-henchwoman who is trying to sort of make a space for herself. Um, in like movies and, too, like it's kind of framed like these might be special effects, uh, which, yeah, I, which like I thought was great. Of, yeah, like she's trying to kind of, she's like, oh, you know what, I like, the, sort of the same way years ago, 
this guy was trying to get work in effect, and he basically made a fan Batman versus, like, Predator versus, what was it, Batman? Anyway, he made, like, a fan video that looked just as good as, uh, you know, something you'd see in film and TV, so it was like a calling card. Um, and that was my logic with her. I feel really bad because uh, over over the course of drafting this arc, um, I like it, initially I I thought she was this like super super rich and complicated uh, you know kind of antihero, and uh, and then unfortunately just because like there are so many spinning plates with with those forty pages, mm. um, it really really sucks that she kind of ends up getting a, a little bit of a simplified plot and. And I'm like, no, she was meant to, like, really kind of, like, you know, do the Bechdel test. <laughs> um, well, I, I think that she's head. I think uh-huh. that she's great. And I think at the end of the, the second issue, which we will not talk about here for spoilers, but I think be, there's a really lovely beat between her and Bobby uh, after Bobby's had to take down a, a bunch of different Sentinels. And he's also gone on, like, a first date with, with, with a guy in L.A. And he's dealing with all this other stuff. But he finds time to sort of go to her and talk to her and I think that really speaks to the core of like Bobby's a hero and that speaks to the core of who he is like even if a person is maybe on a bad path he's not going to just abandon them to that path and I think that again circles back around to them uh, mourning Black Widow Black Widow when she was first introduced wasn't a strict superhero she's still not she's you know spy but they didn't think that she was just a bad egg Bobby didn't just think she was a bad egg they became friends and so, I, yeah, I really like these two issues. I think they, they speak to the core of who Bobby is and advance that story for him even further, uh, while at the same time, like, mirroring uh, some, some really great uh, or marriaging it with some really, really great action sequences and pulling his Omega-level mutant powers to the forefront, which is something you've been doing this entire, this entire time with the book. I think Bobby's super powerful and super competent as Iceman, and that really helps him be able to navigate his personal life a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's what's going to be, like, for people who who gave the series a chance, for starters, thank you, <laughs> and then for people who kind of had faith and trusted that, you know, there was a bit of a, a you know, an arc at play, like, a lot of readers were like, oh, why, like, why can't he take down one purifier in the first issue, and, and, and the whole point of it was, like, well, once he gets more comfortable in his skin... And, and is wasting like less time kind of compartmentalizing. He's able to sort of just focus and, and really be a leader and really kind of utilize all the training he's had over the years. Um, and, 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 and once basically that like, you know, fifth issue happens and that fight with uh, Juggernaut happens, I, it's like, it, it's very clear, like from here on out, it's, you know, Bobby does not have to do things the simple way. He can really kind of exercise his right to utilize his power and these, these really, really cool and effective manners. And, and yeah, we're both talking about uh, the way he dispatches uh, those Sentinels. I I was so happy with how Robert Gill illustrated that scene. It's beautiful. I know we shouldn't, like, I don't want to spoil it. Yeah. Um, you guys got to go get this. It's so gorgeous. It's really beautiful. Yeah. I had no clue. Like, I just, I think that the entire book should be double page spreads from now on because <laughs> just the way he even like this isn't spoiling anything but like there's a little shot of Ghost Rider kind of like dragging a sentinel part you yes. know behind him like on in chains yes. and it's just it just looks so much more badass than I than I even like I just kind of thought it was like a cute sort of throwaway moment and the way Robert drew it it's just like oh okay now I get what this book needs to be moving forward is just like like a Fast and Furious type of book where it's just always <laughs> cool action death defined
crying scenes. Yes. And and then Bobby like, you know, smugly grinning through it. Yeah, and <laughs> making making a great corny like pun or a dad joke, uh, which have been really great. One of my favorite parts about Bobby is his is uh, his uh, sense of humor, and I feel like that comes through really strongly in this book. You got like a good handle on his on his voice, which is a very particular voice, and I, I think you got it down. Uh, yeah, is there anything coming up in the book that you wanted to maybe tease for our listeners? Yeah, uh, always. Um, I mean, <laughs> All of it. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm super, I'm super, super, super happy with how Wishy 7 turned out um, because it just kind of like you, you very kindly said, like it just landed the plane in terms of a couple themes I've been playing with and um, especially just the, you know, like Bobby doesn't give up on people. Yeah. Um, and the and the other thing, you know, you've seen it is like people don't give up on Bobby, which is yeah. a lesson he needs to learn. And uh, in issue eight, uh, I'm I am so curious to see how readers are going to react to it because uh, it's Bobby having dinner with his time displaced self. Yes. And his parents. Oh um, my god, I can't wait! Uh, yeah, the two Bobbies running around and Bobby's parents being in the picture in such a big part of this book i was just like oh my god cena get there have them all at a dinner table i want to see what this looks like that's got to be that's got to be a challenge to write that was it was the easiest and hardest issue to write (laughs) how so well because like i i it because i guess because that type of story plays to my strengths and my weaknesses and 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 i'm trying to get better at sort of making the action a little more organic. And I'm also trying to avoid, like, someone's robbing a bank. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm a lifelong comic book reader, you know. That's what's great about, like, if there's ever a troll coming after me, I'm like, listen, bro, like, I've been at this <laughs> since I was 15. Like, yeah. don't tell me, I, you know, don't tell me I don't know what I'm doing. But um, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, it's still, like, you know, I, the character stuff I can do, and I had known about... I had known that if I ever got these people in a room, I knew exactly what I was going to do with it. And But then once I was in there, it suddenly, there were other conversations these characters wanted to have with each other. Okay. And there were other, you know what, I, it's, yeah. it's, I hate I hate when writers talk like that. <laughs> because it sounds so but sometimes that's what it's like. And they're like, oh, and then I lose control of them because they have their own <laughs> But it happens. It yeah. really like you. You're, you're like, oh come on, just get to like, just say this line, just say this line, and then you realize it's like, oh, I can't because like all these other things need to happen. And and the main thing, it was a challenge because I wanted to also create some like stakes and mounting tension outside of sort of this character work, and I wanted to also really be fair to Bobby's parents and also really be fair to the people who are reading this book and who you know, who have parents who aren't coming, you know, who aren't coming around as quickly as you want them to. And and it was just a juggle, but, like, it, I guess the whole time it was super, it was work I was happy to do. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It was still, like, it turned into work, which I thought it wasn't going to be, mm-hmm. but it really comes together, and, and I and I... I can't wait till you like message me after you read it because I do think <laughs> um, I do think it's a very like I don't think it's a story that anyone else uh, has told or mm. will get to tell just because of the circumstances, you know. And it's really lovely. I don't know. I kind of I kind of I, I I've done the thing before where you can talk to your younger self and and give him advice and 
and that's something I think I do kind of okay. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm so excited. So that happens, and that's a really um, wonderful standalone issue that actually introduces like some stuff that's going to happen uh, after that, which I I can't tell too many details <laughs> about, but I can say, uh, you know, we're going to see Doc Hen. Oh, which great. Okay. okay. I, oh, my God. I'm so excited. Like, yeah, I love to. Again. Yeah. I, I love yeah. the two of them. I want to see the two of them, like, fight. It's going to be great. I want to see them, like, fight and make out. <laughs> but it's, I was going to say it, but I wasn't going to say it. It's just going to be fighting for issue nine. I know that much. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Dawkins one of my favorites. So I think he and Bobby probably have a lot to talk about and kiss about question mark uh i guess we'll have to see uh so you've been a you've been a lifelong comic book reader yeah yeah for real it's uh i i have like i still have some of my old wolverine action pages from when i was like six that's awesome um you can carbon date it and prove that i'm real (laughs) (laughs) what was what was the so what were the characters that like got you got you in i'm always curious to see what this is especially with with comics writers and and artists to see what hooked them and like pulled them into this weird crazy world we now all exist in so i mean like sad you know i I always like say this on podcasts but i'm like starbucks basic when it comes to my like entry into x-men like i just like i love wolverine yes um, I love Jean Grey. Yeah. Uh, Gambit was super cool. Obviously, I was like the right age when Gambit sort of came into the scene. Um, I super loved Morph from like the animated series version of him. I don't know why. I just like, <laughs> I remembered sympathizing with him so much and like trying to find him in the comic books and being like, what's this weird like gray haired noseless? I mean, gray faced <laughs> noseless version of him with a cape that Joe Mad drew. Like, <laughs> So that stuff really got to me. Um, I love Generation X as a kid so, so much. Um, Skin, Sync, those were sort of like, you know, just the whole cast, actually. It was a really good, that was a good team, uh, in my opinion. Good yeah, and, and like rife that. with like, good like relationship stuff, too. Like, everybody was either kissing one another or mad at each other or, like, teaming up. It was like, it really, the X-Men does a really, like, just as a, as a title forever, since way back, uh, has always done the relationship stuff really great and the drama there too. And that team uh, especially was very good at it, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, completely. I don't have anything. You you said it all right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was X-Men and then it was Spider-Man and then to just prove, like, just to prove that I'm not, like, blowing steam up your butt or anything. Like, you know, I also <laughs> like that Batman guy. That yeah, Batman wait, guy who's that? Cool. I've never I've never heard of, of that person before, Cena. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, Ben Affleck plays <laughs> in the film. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, no, I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> that's 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 um, great. I the X-Men got me into like Jean Grey was a huge reason why I kept reading comics. So if you're Starbucks basic, I'm, I'm right there with you. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, and I love, yeah. X-Men blue and gold, which is so funny that, you know, that's when I get to kind of come into Canon yeah. uh, in the resurrection of blue and gold. Cause mm-hmm. I remembered getting the trading cards and always loving like the formation between the two teams. And, um, I was a big trading card guy that was like, how yeah. I learned a lot about X-Men was just, like, reading stats on these characters I'd never seen. Like, <laughs> ooh, who's Wolfsbane? And then yeah. you go to the 25-cent bin and get X-Factor issues. Um, <laughs> That's kind of great. So that was, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was a real, like, OG comic book nerd. Still am. Still am. I'm looking at my Mary Jane statue. Minibus. Bus. <laughs> what are you? What are you, MJ? Um, are you a bus? <laughs> Who even knows? Is it bus? <laughs> 
Well, that's awesome. Uh, did you want to talk a little bit about like how you found your way into to comics as a pro? Like what what was it that initially made you go, oh yeah, this is the thing. This is the thing for me. This is what I want to be doing. You know, I you know I always wanted to do it. Um, I was always drawing, and I was always drawing like comic book characters. Uh, and when I it's weird. When I met Michael Turner, uh, RIP, uh, when I was like 13, yeah, mind you, as a gay man, I think I loved Witchblade and Tomb Raider and Phasm more than any straight dude <laughs> in the world. <laughs> I was the biggest apologist for why clothes would keep getting torn off these women. I was like, what? It's the ancient blade. That's what it does to you. It's not my fault she has no rib cage. <laughs> You're killing me. Oh, my God. <laughs> But no, for real, like, I'm like, I'm like, you know, I always like, I, it's like, it's like, dear internet trolls, like, I'm like you too. I read those books too, but we just got different things out of it. Like, I wanted to be them. They wanted other things. Anyway, um, so I, I interned at Top Cow Productions because I'd met Michael Turner at Comic-Con mm-hmm. and I thought he was the coolest guy on earth. He was getting like a massage from a babe um, <laughs> while like signing my like Witchblade back issues. That is glamorous. Just, that is so, that's much more glamorous than what the life is. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah. And my mom was like, he, my mom thought was so taken by him. And she was like, do you think like he and your sister would be good? Because my sister was, you know, she, she was old enough to date him. Um, and I was like, mom. And I was like, I hope. <laughs> Brother. <laughs> um, but uh, so I just, yeah, I want, I, I thought comic artists, could have it all like in terms of just you know getting getting dates by saying they draw comic books which actually nowadays yes but yeah seven years ago no maybe um, not yeah but uh at any rate yeah i really wanted to do it so i interned at top cow uh when i was in high school because i struck a sort of like pen pal relationship with uh the then editor over there renee gearling who like she taught me so 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 much in terms of just uh how to handle yourself in a professional environment like she constantly was just like smacking me around being like you can't do that like you need to just like know your place you know Mm -hmm. um which is which is sad but useful advice for anyone to have is like know your place but um i did that then i made zines in high school and then uh self-published in college um and then after college, I was sort of working on a webcomic and illustrating uh, a children's book for uh, this lady, Amber Benson. And uh, and then I got an email asking if I'd want to get back into comics and editing. And I was like, I didn't know I'd left. <laughs> uh, and, that's, <laughs> and that's when I got the job working as um, Robert Kirkman's, uh, what was I, editorial director or something for Skybound, his imprint at Image. And I did that for a while. And then after that, I was like, all right, I just want to do... I just want to do the creative stuff full time. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Um, I quit and went uh, full time freelance creative, uh, and I've been doing that now for I think four years. And uh, you know, it's hand to mouth sometimes, but I wouldn't I wouldn't change it for the world. Like this is when you can get to a place where being creative can pay your rent. Mm-hmm. You lose you lose sight of how significant that is. But whenever you can remember it. Or whenever you can see it for what it is, it's a really cool thing because this is a lot. It's a lot harder to get to this place than you'd imagine. Yeah. To, to sort of, but anyway, yeah. So uh, that was that's the that's the TLDR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like there are there are a lot of different ways into comics, but like the like the thing that 
always like drives people in is just like a like a firm desire to be here and to work your butt off once you get here. Like comics is comics will break your heart sometimes. And so putting in the work and and remembering that you love it are, are two like core parts of it. And like reminding yourself that like you said, like, oh, man, this is what I get to do. Like, this is the thing that I do now uh, is kind of crazy. Like, it comes in waves for me. Like, it hit me over Comic-Con again. I was just like, oh, right. This is the thing that I've always wanted to do, and now I'm, I'm lucky enough to be able to do it. All right, let's 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 get to work. Let's put my head down and keep going. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was at FlameCon, and that was the best. <laughs> that was so much fun. And it was crazy because strangers came up to me. You know, usually, yeah. I, I've said this before, but, like, when you come from a background being like an image comics creator or small publishing or independent publishing, like you tend to kind of know who your readers are. Mm-hmm. You have such a, you end up having a very personal relationship with them on, on social media or, you know, doing signings and shows and stuff. Cause you, you typically end up finding them by these one-on-one interactions. And so that was crazy for me to like go to this convention and have people who I had never met, kind of having a, you know, a very visceral response to seeing me. And I was like, oh, what? Okay. And then, um, and I got these letters, like people would hand me notes that were just saying, you know, really like lovely and endearing things that I don't know that I deserve for writing Iceman. But um, it was cool. It was super cool. And, and, and I have friends who draw My Little Pony or draw Transformers and they don't have those experiences. And that's what makes it worth it is like, if you can move someone and affect someone mm-hmm. through storytelling, like, whoa, you know, that's uh, that's the dream, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. It, it's to actually affect someone with uh, with your work. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's super, super surreal and fun. And, 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 and yeah, I just, uh, I don't want to let it go. Like, and I just want to do my best. I don't know, I, I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> <laughs> it was great, though. It was good. It, it didn't sound like you did, so that works. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, well, we're really happy to have you part of the X team, and uh, it's been great talking to you about Iceman. It's one of my favorite books on stands now. Uh, it's It tells such a great personal story while, like I said, like mirroring like the, the action part of Bobby's life. Yeah, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about, or can I ask you my three surprise questions? Oh yeah, well I I uh, I'm nervous about those. So I'll, <laughs> I'll, fill, I'll fill the air just a little bit more, but yeah, no. Like basically, uh, all I can say is I I think I think the I think this second arc coalesces in a way that readers will be happy about because it, it you know I think the champions thing feels the champions arc might feel like a distraction uh, from the larger sort of stories I'm working on with Bobby, but uh, when he gets back to New York with sort of all the information and experiences he has in LA, it really does uh, kind of coalesce into something super cool. And I don't know, I just, yeah, I really like this book and, and I, and I've been trying some stuff that I think will pay off for people who are sticking with it, you know, rather mm-hmm. than just buying an issue here or there. Yeah. There's lots of little themes that kind of come together all at the end. So just keep on, I don't know, please keep people, please keep uh, reading it, supporting it, writing in, yeah, we love and, to hear. We all. love to get letters. We we get Iceman letters all the time. We love to get them. So if you have something if, nice to say, please please send it our way. Yeah, I read them. I read them, and we get fan art, and we we put it in the book, and mm-hmm. it just it makes me feel like you know what it was back when when I was sort of uh, not in comics but buying them like crazy, and just the you know when the single issue the floppy actually feels like a whole experience, you know, from like 
the Kevin Wada covers, mm-hmm. to, like the cool interiors, to the very personal letters column. Like it's just sort of you know, I want it to feel like a club. Like I want it to feel like we're all reading, you know, a favorite book or something. And we're I don't know, but either way, I love the book and I just want everyone else to love it. Um, and and yeah, that's all I've got there. So now 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 ambush me with these questions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, these are actually three questions that we ask uh, whenever we interview uh, people who might be our interns. We ask them these three questions, and I thought it might be fun to see what the pro perspective would be on them. And there there I promise there there's no wrong answer. Uh, but I do want to see your work. <laughs> uh, and uh, okay, let's just dive in. So the first question that we ask our, our intern candidates is uh, this. Who is Peter Parker's true love? Mary Jane Watson or Gwen Stacy? Mary Jane Watson. You went there immediately. Can I ask why? Because she, I don't know, because she challenged him. And she's, her, she's also got her own life. And she just... As always, I don't know, she's just always felt right to me. You know, she's always felt like the one. And, and when it comes to love and romance, you got to follow her gut. Um, and I've just, yeah, I find, I find who they are for each other a bit more interesting than, than Peter and Gwen. That's fair. That's fair. Um, okay, so the second question is, who would win in a fight, Thor or Hulk? I don't know. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Thor. Just it's because tough, I feel right? Like, I don't know. I just, I just feel like he might. He like, you know, he's got it in him to like have some weird, like, last minute sort of like sheer willpower trick up his sleeve. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Hulk just has rage mm-hmm. and anger and strength. I don't know, but it, it's also like I, I, you know, I go in and out with like. Hulk in the comic books, like, is he is he dumb or or is he a genius and a Hulk? Because if he's if he's a genius and Hulk, then yeah, he'll he'll crush Thor. But, but I feel like it could kind be of like yeah, like yeah. is Amadeus? Is he does he have a brain when he hulks out? Yes. So I feel like for these questions, it could be like any version of Hulk and Thor that you think would be the most interesting. So like Amadeus, he's he's there still when he's Hulk, and I guess you'd be going up against Jane Foster then, right? Because she's his uh, Thor contemporary. Oh, so does that man. change things? <laughs> I just I don't know enough about them. Like I I am a you know like I'm a Marvel guy, mm-hmm. but like I'm real X like I'm X Men deep. So it's I, I I tend to get like my knowledge with the Avengers is like oh you know every few years I'll, I'll read a couple story arcs and stuff and catch up. But um, yeah. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say if it's like our old school Hulk and Thor, mm-hmm. I'd say Thor wins. Okay, I'm there and, with you. And if, yeah, and if it's new school, I just don't know enough about Amadeus. But I'm gonna say it's a. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it's a tie, and they move on to do better things. <laughs> and they team up instead. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> uh, so the third question we ask uh, maybe deserves a little preamble. So in uh, you know this, but just in case the listener does not, in our 2001 uh, comic book event, Civil War, we posit the idea that maybe superheroes are. Uh, operating a little without enough uh, oversight. And so this idea is is put out there into the Marvel Universe that maybe they should register their real identities with the government. And, of course, there's a faction against this that thinks that that database or wherever that information goes can get into the wrong hands. So my question to you would be, would you be pro-superhuman registration or would you be anti-superhuman registration? 
I am anti-superhuman registration. <laughs> I don't think I've had a person say pro yet. <laughs> I mean, A, from a storytelling perspective, it's way better. But then, well, I mean, like, also, maybe not, because what if there was, like, a cloud leak? You know what I mean? Yeah. And all that information... You know, and then you've got, like, if anyone's read The Private Eye, that Brian Vaughn book, like, you know, mm-hmm. that can be really damaging to all these heroes. Um, and now I'm like, ooh, now i got to pitch that to Axel Alonso. <laughs> <laughs> um, you heard it here first. Uh, <laughs> it won't happen. But, yeah, I, I, I'm way pro. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I'm on Cap's side with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's great. Well, those are the questions I got for you. Uh, was, there, was there anything else that you wanted to bring up or talk about? Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, everyone should be reading I all all of the X Men books, but I really love I really love X Men Blue. Oh um, yeah! I just, just want to say that out loud, and mainly because it also has Corey Smith drawing it every now and again, and I love Corey Smith's artwork. Yes, he's um, so good. I, that's what I, I'm going to spend this time repping other people's books. <laughs> um. <laughs> I mean, go for it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chip Zdarsky's Spider Man. Looking forward to more of that. Chip, don't don't drop the ball. Um, <laughs> don't mess and, it up, uh, Chip. And I saw Blade Runner twenty forty nine last night, and I'm in the camp that loved it. And um, now you're now you're so. just gonna start just like repping everything. You're just like, okay, now this is what I'm reading. <laughs> These are the TV shows you all should be watching. I love it. It's great. I mean, I'm reading, I'm reading Shirley Jackson from uh, <laughs> The Lottery and other stories. It's, you know, we're doing a Halloween sort of horror theme this month. Um, but that's me. That's, <laughs> that's great. Well, thank um, you so much for coming on, on Women of Marvel and talking to us about, about Iceman and all of this stuff. It's been great talking to you. Same. Thanks so much for having me and, and uh, getting this together. And, and yeah, and for, for saying nice things about the book and for helping out with it. Because I always fear, like, you know... I fear what happened. Like, I just want to make sure there's many eyes on it before it goes uh, out into the world. So thank you for, for being one of its, like, you know, watchdogs or whatever. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's one of the best parts of my week is getting Iceman on my desk and just being like, cool, I get to read this now before anybody else. Uh, it's good stuff. <laughs> but, yeah, thanks for Yay. coming on board. Thank you so much for listening in. And, Sina, thank you again for joining us. And we'll catch you uh, next time on Women Marvel. As always, if you have questions or suggestions, please email us at womanofatmarvel.com or tweet at Marvel with hashtag womanofmarvel. We'll check you guys later. This is Marvel, your universe. Yeah,